Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for November 28th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. How is everyone doing? Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. I know this year has been a little different. I made the difficult decision to do the Zoom Thanksgiving. Wasn't that bad. I want to thank my neighbor whose mom gave me a great plate, great plate of food, computer, in front of me, got to talk to the rents, just like I was there. So it wasn't that bad. Hopefully everyone stayed safe because this COVID stuff is real. I'm still here in Chicago in the old epicenter and stuff is real. It is crazy how bad this is spreading through and it's making capping games very difficult. And as we saw with Western Kentucky, it's opening up the doors. Western Kentucky really padded their resume for March Madness, if we get to a March Madness, with their performance in that tournament up in South Dakota State yesterday and over the Thanksgiving weekend. So we have to remember that team because that team is going to be hidden away now for months. And then when they come back, everyone's going to be like, oh, whoa, I remember this team from back now. So that's why this time of the year when we're watching these college basketball tournaments, when we're eating our eating leftovers or on Thanksgiving Day, to just kind of jot some notes down. I have a notebook where I just jot little notes down. And with these notes, that's how I fill out my brackets, do my futures. And I'm telling you guys right now, I don't like to do futures for the NCAA tournament right now. I will wait if there's a team I like, like hypothetically, let's say Michigan State. Michigan State 20 to 1 right now. Okay, that's a good number. Well, if they start off the season slow because Izzo is always infatuated playing these tougher schedules, then you can get a little bit inflated number on them. A couple years ago, they started off really slow, made it to the final four. I think I had them at like 80 to 1. But back to my original point, I usually use this notebook and I just jot down notes where if a team does get back to a slow start and I can get value on them or before the NCAA tournament, I can look at my notes and I can say, oh, I like this team. There's some value. Let's pull the trigger. So we have a great show today. I'm going to talk a little bit about that crazy Oregon, Oregon State finish last night, and then I'm going to give my reviews of the Thursday Night Football like I always do. Joe, a.k.a. the Lock God, comes on. We're going to be talking betting, Eagles, Philly basketball, and, of course, the person I love to hate the most, Tua. And also, I'm going to answer your fantasy football start-sit questions. So let's jump right into these Thursday Thursday games. The first game saw the Texans absolutely dismantle the Detroit Lions in any hopes of a playoff game for the Lions is out the door right now. And it frustrates me as a Lions fan just because Matt Stafford is a generational talent. If you guys cannot see that Matt Stafford is a generational talent, then the IQ you think you have for football, you don't have. I'm sorry to break it to you, but I'm just being utterly honest with you. These people online that are saying how good Tua is and how bad Stafford are, I actually laugh at. But I'm not going to go into that. Let's retract. Lions are completely wasting them. They have Bevel, who's the offensive coordinator, who's infatuated with doing halfback dives with Adrian Peterson every first play of the drive. You have Carrion Johnson, who's a way more explosive back. I want my explosive players touching the ball. I want a home run hitter, not an old man that's on his 28th team in the league and should basically be retired at this point of his career. That's what I want. I want my explosive players touching the ball. Now, you look defensively. He's... Patricia's supposed to be this defensive genius, and they're getting shredded on national television. The ownership group 
came out and said, hey, we want meaningful games played in December. Well, that's out the door. The fact that Patricia's not fired shows me that this team is only interested in making money, and it's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting what the Lions are doing. Yeah, they have some pieces. You know, the offensive line is better. DeAndre Swift, once he's healthy, if they re-sign Galladay, if they keep Stafford, they have some pieces. They could be dangerous, but they need a coach, an offensive coach. I'm hiring Joe Brady. A lot of people say Eric Bieniemy, and I'm sure Bieniemy is going to be a great coach. But with how Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson have done, like, what does it sh- reinsure you right now that these guys are going to be good 10-year coaches in the league? I want this guy that the Lions hire, I want him to be there for years. For years. Not a little three years, oh, hey, I'm going to a better job. No, fuck that shit. I want the Lions to lock this guy down. I want them to find their next coach for the next 10 years. And with how Nagy and Peterson are doing, that's why I'm going to go with Joe Brady. I want Joe Brady. Joe Brady is the next Sean Payton. But without the infatuation of giving Taysom Hill pointless runs that cost his team playoff games. But that's another point. So if I was Alliance, that's what I would do. This team, I mean, they just don't want to play for Patricia. I mean, that was a total meltdown and embarrassing. I mean, absolutely embarrassing performance. And Patricia's supposed to be this defensive genius, and they're, it's first and 15, and they're going man press instead of zone. And he's a defensive genius. What the flying fuck is that? It, it's just sickening. Sickening. Houston, you know, they had a tough tough start to the season with those games, but they're starting to play better. They may be able to sneak in as the playoff, playoffs when they have Deshaun Watson. But, guys, honestly, their secondary is awful. They can't stop the run. Their offensive line, eh. Running game, eh. I mean, it's basically Deshaun, jo- Deshaun Watson trying to make a play. That's it for them. Are they fun? Yes. Are they exciting to watch? Yes. Is Watson a, a great player? Yes. But I have bad news for you Texans fans. What the Texans are doing to Deshaun Watson is exactly what the Lions did to Matt Stafford. They're just wasting his talent. Other game. If you didn't think that a team could have been coached worse than Patricia coached the Lions, Mike McCarthy was like, hold my fucking beer. The decision for McCarthy to go for it when the game was 20-16 to on fourth down in his own 20 was one of the most ludicrous decisions I've ever seen in all my years of watching football, betting football, or just being around the sport. That was ludicrous. That's something a 13-year-old, or fuck, I would even do playing Madden football fucking around. In actual football, there's no fucking way I would fucking call that play. I mean, that was, it was awful. It was awful, and it shows that McCarthy should be out. Like, how McCarthy and Patricia have not been fired yet is mind-boggling to me. Washington has some great pieces. I mean, they got Gibson, who I really like, Young rushing the quarterback, Starry Carey. They have pieces. But honestly, the Alex Smith story is great, but is Alex Smith really going to be that quarterback that takes your team to the next level? Their offensive line has holes. But Ron Rivera has enough position to host a playoff game and to get in, and anything can happen once you get in. And it's also kind of funny to me. Like, everyone always, like, hates on me. Then when I get my stuff right, which, let's face it, that's what usually happens, no one says anything. The amount of hate I got when I told everyone Antonio Gibson was going to win someone a fantasy football title, and then he just did that game, no one said one thing to me. He won me money in DFS. So I had him rolling in a game. I had him, Will Fuller, Watson. God, who else? I forget who else. And I, I, I 
got my money back. I, ROI came out, I think it was like a 25% ROI. So, I mean, I can't complain on that. But Gibson is an explosive player, and I really think they need to get him more touches, eliminate J.D. McKesson from the pass-catching role, and really funnel the offense through him. And that's that was my whole thing, what I said way back in the spring. I said, guys, Scott Turner offense. Scott Turner force-feeds the running back. Turner and Rivera just compared Gibson to Christian McCaffrey. Let's not fucking outthink the room here. And I heard all this love. Oh, J.D. McKesson, Bryce Love, blah, blah, blah. Guys, just read it. Everything is out there. If you guys just read and use your head and use common sense, that is what is going to happen in this game. Everyone tries to be smart, outthink somebody. What's happening with Gibson just shows if you guys read, it's right there. It's not that hard. Speaking of that, did you guys watch the match yesterday? I mean, I had it on. I was kind of flicking back and forth and doing my DFS breakdown for tomorrow that I'm going to be sending out to you guys. But how the hell was Phil Mickelson and Barkley dogs at plus 140? You have the only professional in the group is a dog. I'm sorry, but if you bet Manning and Curry with the mindset that Barkley is not a good golfer, you guys are morons that should not be betting. I'm sorry, that's just the truth, and that's just the way it is. That's just a harsh reality. I don't mean to be a dick, but that's a fucking harsh reality. So, I'm sorry, but guys, that's another thing. Just don't outthink the room. Just use your head and think. Now, we had Oregon State. Me and my guys, we had Oregon State plus a 13 and a half. And we had that juicy money line of plus 370. And that close to that game last night was fucking insane. So Oregon State scores a touchdown on a QB sneak. But the referee didn't see it. And the replay didn't show a conclusive replay of the ball crossing the line. Even though you could tell the ball was in, the replay didn't show it. So they replayed the they replay they second down now. Okay, so it's second down. Hike the ball. Oregon, clear off sides, referee doesn't see it, stopped it. So now it's third down, and stopped him again. Quarterback hurts his leg. So now you have a backup quarterback coming in who is never taking a snap from under center. So they have him on the sidelines taking fucking snaps. This kid's literally taking snaps. Goes out there, Oregon gets off sides again. Move it a half an inch closer. Hikes the ball, scores a touchdown. But it was one of the craziest ends of the game. The referee was yelling at people because people were yelling at him for timeouts. I, it was just a, it was a classic Pac-12 after dark game. And that is why I love Pac-12 football. The craziness, the shenanigans, the bad officiating, the whole nine yards. That why it may not be the best quality football, but it's the best football to watch while you're drinking a beer, and in the evening. You cannot beat that at all. So I'm here recording this in my office. I have the Vanderbilt-Florida game on. And Vanderbilt, you know, we have Vanderbilt plus the points and money line, one of my dogs of the day. And it amazes me. It truly amazes me how you can have a coach at the Division One level who thinks instead of being able to run a quarterback sneak to get the first down, you're better off putting the quarterback five yards behind center, hiking him the ball, then handing off to a running back when you need to get a half yard. For the life of me, 
that is something that is always going to confuse the living shit out of me. Why these coordinators fucking insist on doing that shit. It blows my fucking mind. And I will never fucking understand it. But that's not here or there. So now is the part of the of the show where I answer your fantasy football start sit questions. And again, guys, I like this part of the show because I'm able to interact and able to help you directly. So I appreciate everyone that takes the time to ask me the questions. So let's dive right into it. Question one, Mike Williams against Buffalo or Deontay Johnson versus Baltimore. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to assume this game is going to go on as scheduled with the Steelers and the Ravens on, on Tuesday. You guys, Deontay Johnson is playing the Antonio Brown role in this offense. He is he's Antonio Brown right now. So all Antonio Brown's targets and looks, Deontay Johnson's getting. And for whatever reason, me and about two other people have figured this out. So guys, in any DFS format, he's underpriced. And he is a sit and forget right now in terms of season long. So definitely go with Deontay Johnson. Next one, another wide receiver question. DJ Moore or Jamison Crowder? And it's funny about Crowder. Crowder is always that one guy that when you look at it at the end of the year, he always has great stats. And you're just kind of like, how the fuck did he get those? It's just kind of crazy. But anyway, I would definitely go with DJ Moore. DJ Moore looked great with PJ Walker under center. He had... 11 targets, 7 receptions, 127 yards, and that's two straight games of over 95 yards. He's not a target hog. Robbie Anderson is routinely targeted the most out of the wide receivers, but in the production Moore is getting, he is taking advantage of it. In terms of Crowder, I know he's played four games where he saw 10 targets, but this Dolphins secondary is the strength of this defense. Right now, this Dolphins team is winning because of their defense. Crowder is the wide receiver that I would fear the most in the Jets. So he's going to be the number one person that the Dolphins are going to be looking to shut down. So I would go with DJ Moore there. Next question is Mike Davis or Melvin Gordon? Um, I would honestly go with Mike Davis here. He had 19 carries last week and by far that was his best total of the year he did have a rushing score but he only caught two passes minnesota is 23rd dvoa in rushing defense and they allowed elliott and pollard to carry the for 163 yards and a td against them melvin gordon is playing the saints saints have been better against the run plus philip Lindsay, he's been playing more effective and better than Melvin Gordon has. So for me, this is a no-brainer. I'm going to go with Mike Davis. He's not going to have the competition. He has a better matchup. So no-brainer in terms of that one. Next one, Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson? Guys, for me, anyone that knows me knows I'm a Cam Akers believer. I think he's slowly but surely going to become more effective in this offense. I would go Cam Akers on upside alone. He's a more of an explosive runner and a better pass catcher than Daryl Henderson. Granted, you're playing the 49ers, and the 49ers are historically better against the run and defending against running backs coming out of the backfield. So if you are in a pinch and have to pick pick between one of those two, I would go Cam Akers. Next one, another good one. Kalen Balaj or Zach Moss? 
Guys, I would go with Bellage, and the reason being is this is not the Buffalo defense that we're used to seeing going against the run. So I would go with Bellage over Moss. One more, Naheem Hines or Chase Hedmans. Well, I just got an alert on my phone that said Jonathan Taylor has COVID-19. With that being said, no-brainer, definitely go with Naheem Hines. He's going to get a lot more of the touches and a lot more of the run. David Montgomery or Brian Hill? Well, obviously this question was asked after it was announced Gurley was out. Guys, Raiders are awful against the run, so I would not outthink the room. I would go Brian Hill here in terms of that one. Last one, Frank Gore or James White. Jesus Christ, if you're rolling out Frank Gore or James White, I mean, I feel sorry for you. Obviously, I go with Gore just because James White is going to have competition from Sony Michelle, Damian Harris. So obviously, with Gore, you're going to get less competition for those carries. So now Joe, a.k.a. the lock god, is going to be coming on. This was taped, I believe we taped this either, we taped this Tuesday evening so anything that has changed, I know we started talking about the Steelers game in the segment. So please keep that in mind when you're listening to that. We talked betting. We talked the Eagles. Talk a little Philly basketball. And, of course, we hate on my boy Tua. Joe, a.k.a. the Lock God, welcome back to the show. How's life treating you, buddy? What's up, bud? Good. Uh, coming, coming in off a, uh, a rough MLB start post-COVID. So I'm trying to slowly, slowly get back. Okay, yeah, MLB was kind of weird this year. Like I, because um, I know last time you were on, we talked about MLB and everything. I found myself betting more M- MLB than I normally did, just because there wasn't the All Star game. Because I usually shut stuff down after the All Star game. Yeah, it's. I got screwed up when they started doing the the seven inning games it completely threw everything i do off i will say this though and i admit it and this may be me stepping over the line of our friendship (laughs) i got a hard on for a couple times when those young tiger pitchers mize and the lefty kid who i'm spacing on his name when they took to the mound and they had a couple good starts (laughs) you know i i got i got a little wood going during that (laughs) I liked it for the, the like I, I liked the 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 shortened games, but I you know the books weren't weren't offering first uh, first five lines, and that's usually my my sweet spot. So I was forced to do things that I normally don't do, and it like like bit me hard. Yeah, it's it, it's just been a completely different world in terms of gambling. And we can kind of see that in the NFL. I used to make a nice little chunk of change betting first half unders and second half unders. I have completely abandoned doing that after two weeks in the se- into the season. Yeah, I'm. Thankfully, I've hit my stride. NFL. I like doing halves. Halves have been been working well. So I'm just trying to try to get back. Now, speaking of the NFL, you're a Philly guy. I have oh to ask goodness. you, what the flying hell is going on with your Eagles? It is. It was actually nice to to watch those the uh, Sunday night game and Monday night game and watch actual real football because it is hard 
to watch an Eagles game. And I, every week, sit there and just want to scratch my eyeballs out watching this horrible football team. And it's like, I just don't understand. You have Miles Sanders, and I really feel Peterson doesn't look at him as somebody that should touch the ball more than 20 times a game. I know. Which is crazy with how talented he is. And you're struggling offensively. Wouldn't you want to give your best playmaker an opportunity? You would think the common sense is the line can't stop anyone for more than three seconds. Let's start running the ball more. Like rip a page out of what what the uh, Cowboys did really, really well last year, which was just let, let Zeke go. And then Dak would just, you know, hit home with those, you know, fake runs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess you would. You had this like the roster is just complete trash. Oh. Like I don't I, like I don't even know where you would start to even you know say this guy sucks, that guy sucks. I guess it starts from the very top, and the roster itself is just complete trash. And Wentz has looked awful, like beyond awful. Oh, I know. If you would have asked me this a Sunday. I would have said like bench him, trade him. <laughs> but now that that you know that we've all calmed down, I'm trying to like. I mean, the the offensive line is horrendous. These are practice squad receivers. I mean, he has missed the open reads. He's you know not a very well you know coach, and then I don't know what it is, but. I don't think he's he's as terrible as this year, and I also don't think he's that like MVP, the quarterback of uh, what, 2017. He's like somewhere in the middle. And I I'm a nerd. Like my nights, I spend on my Peloton right bike watching game film. That's how I spend my nights. I'm a nerd like that. I admit it. And <laughs> when. At the beginning of the year, I'm watching this these game films, and he's legitimately missing Ertz, who is wide open. And I thought those guys were boys, and he was just going to force feed him the ball. Is there like, I know. is there something going on there? Like, what's the what's the word in the street in Philly? Is there like a little tension there between those two? There's a so this year, uh, Ertz was was catching a lot of crap because he he wanted a a new uh, contract even though he has two years left on his deal. Last year, the team was given Wentz shit because he was only targeting it, you know, his Zach Ertz. So it's like a lose-lose. But he he's the only legitimate threat on the football team other than, you know, Sanders. So I don't know why everyone would complain. You have Alshon going around, going to, uh, you know, ESPN and talking crap about Wentz. It's a total, total shit show. So will the offensive genius Doug Peterson, do you think he's going to get fired this offseason? Or do you think Jimmy Schwartz, former Lions, great coach, is going to be the scapegoat? <laughs> Number one, he, oh my, he's, he is the, the worst, Schwartz. I can't, uh, I can't stand him. Um, I, I mean, like, Wentz is like Lori's guy. So, if I'm the 
owner, you just paid Wentz. Like, I don't see him going anywhere. I guess the the easiest move would be, you know, a head coach change. Yeah, I think that, unfortunately, I think that's what they got to do. I think they caught lightning in the bottle with that magical run they had a couple years ago. And, I mean, that was Foles. That wasn't... Uh... I know. So then that's that's the other thing. It's like, you know, Doug coached Nick Foles to the, the Super Bowl. So is it Doug or is it Wentz? And I remember that game like it was yesterday. I don't know. Have you ever been in Vegas for Wild Card Weekend? No, never. I'll tell you, there's certain times you have to go to Vegas that are kind of underrated. And my top three are champion or championship week in NCAA. That's number three. First week of the NHL playoffs. That's number two. And number one by far, forget March Madness. It's that wild card weekend. And I was in the sports book and to just see the raw emotion, because in the sports book, you get the, you get, you have a lot of those people that are nickel dime betters that I call them, you know, the people that bet 25 bucks, but they act like they have $15,000 on the game. (laughs) Yeah. And to see the emotion from that field goal, looking like it's going to go in to, to missing was great, especially because I had the Eagles plus the points in the money line in that game. <laughs> yeah. But just to see all these people, it was, I love it. I love it. That's the stuff I love going to Vegas, just seeing the nickel dimers just clap and cheer. So now I was looking at my betting sheets this morning and I noticed like I'm always betting the Chargers. Or fading the Chargers, and is there a team in the NFL right now that's you're you're doing like that? Is there a team you seem to be betting with or against every single week? You know, it's not NFL; it's NBA, and I always seem to find myself betting like uh, I always bet like the Heat mm-hmm. first half. Oh, like. Always. And, like, I typically, when I look at things, I don't, like, look at uh, teams. I look at the team when I go to, to put my uh, wager in. And I just look at uh, numbers. Mm-hmm. So I don't even try to do that. But it always seems to end up on the heat. I don't know why. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm a big. <laughs> it is weird. My, I'm a big situational player. Like I probably say, situations number one, numbers are number two for me. And it's just the Chargers have just fallen into so many situational spots this year. And they usually, when I bet them, they blow the money line like they did against the Saints, against the Buccaneers, yeah. against the Chiefs. But that's another story. Um. Now, tomorrow we're recording this on Tuesday. Tomorrow being Wednesday, there's a huge game of college basketball, and I spent way too much time today researching college basketball. And when you bet college basketball, what's what's your mindset? What's your strategy? I love it because there's so many games that the lines aren't as sharp. Like NFL is always like lock solid. If you don't get something early, you 
you're probably in the already lost. Like, you know, if you're putting something in, you know, Sunday, like a half hour, you know, until uh, game time, that line's already, you know, rounded out. But college basketball, there's so many options that I think I always like underdogs at first half. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's usually what I shoot for. Yeah, you can always find those great prices and everything. And it's funny yeah. you mentioned that. I mean, I can say it now just because we're recording this on Tuesday and it will come out on Saturday. I sent my guys a line. I was like, guys, we're taking Northern Kentucky. And I had three guys reply, is this Division One basketball? <laughs> like, they, it was kind of funny to me. Like, they, like, didn't they didn't grasp how many actual basketball teams there are out there. And you're right. There's so many games. And one of the best things I learned when I started doing this betting more, just because a game isn't on TV doesn't mean it pays less if you bet on it. I know. I know. People don't always hit me up for the, like the, the Sunday night game. And I was like, Hey, and I, already won Thursday nights at college football in Northern Illinois. <laughs> it's the stuff that's not flashy that usually uh, gets it done. Yeah, it's it's those under the radar. And that's why I can honestly say in college football, I'm a Sunbelt God. Because I watch so much goddamn Sunbelt football. And it was funny, the girl was over, and I forget what game it was. And we had someone who was a big underdog. I want to say, I'm totally spacing on it. And she had never, I've never seen her more locked into a TV show that wasn't some reality dating show. Like she was so locked into these two Sunbelt teams because I told her I'd take her to go get new makeup if the team covered the bet. It, I mean, it was, it's just kind of funny, like, money-wise, like how it can change a girl that really isn't that big of a sports fan. Um, now, we both love home dogs. You mentioned home dogs and everything. With no fans in the stands, have you thought about, is that going to affect the way you look at home dogs? I know. I was I was thinking that. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm going to... Start the season the way I, I always do. I like dogs, and the lines are usually not as sharp. So I'm, I like it, uh, like taking points, but without fans, it could change the you know whole thing. Especially you think, God, what's that one? Arizona State. You have those kids. Have they look? They have the little um, stuff they do underneath the basket to distract yeah. the. The people, the energy in the in the arena from the fans, I just don't know how it's going to affect it either. And it's got me, I mean, I'm only locked into one play right now for tomorrow. And I think that may be my only play unless there's like some, a Bradley first half under I like. Because I, you mentioned like numbers not being as sharp. Bradley's one team that always plays at a slow place and their first half lines are always opening up in the mid-70s. So the books, year after year, never adjust to the pace of play that you're talking about. Um, Now, 
being a Philly guy, Villanova, is Jay, Jay Wright going to lead him to the promised land this year? I think so. I mean, I, I saw it today. Uh, um, some people had him as like ranked ranked third. Some people had him ranked first. Um, they're just so well coached. And in, it was like an all summer long when the the Sixers were, were firing the, the uh, coach and Jay Wright had to come out and say that he's – He's not taking the the Sixers job, and uh, I mean, why would you? When you built this like massive a winning machine at a relatively small school, it makes zero sense because the NBA game is so much different, and he's the king of the castle there. Oh yeah, at Villanova. He's the king. I mean, and I love, I love Nova because they they're typically built for long runs. They never get that five star McDonald's high school, you know, superstar. It's always like you know everyone seems to be like a senior, and it all kind of just works comes out. Together. Yep. Now. My Pistons, who I know we've sucked for years, but this is the first time I've actually confident after a draft. They drafted Bay. What what type of player are they getting with Bay? I mean, I know he can knock down the threes. You think he's going to be any good at the next level? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, like typically, it just doesn't doesn't pan out. Yeah, I mean, because I was think about the Villanova players in the NBA mm-hmm. right now. Dante is going to start this year for the Bucks. Brunson's been hurt, but he's like, I think Brunson's a pivotal backup for the Mavericks. True. Um, I'm, I'm spacing on any other Villanova player, to be utterly honest with you right now. Um, I mean, Lowry. Is, yeah, Lowry. Lowry's been good. A, a rock solid. I mean, know, but it, other the, than Lowry, then I can't think of like a, a you know, bona fide superstar. I totally spaced on Lowry. And I mean, the thing about Lowry is, and he totally fit that. And this was a, this has been my analogy that I've used for Lowry since last year. He's a guy that if you told him, "Hey, your team will win if you run, if you pour gasoline on your body and run through hell," he would do that without a problem. Oh I mean, yeah, he I mean, is like this guy is so good at all the little things, like yeah. knowing when to complain to the ref. Knowing when not to, knowing when to speak up to the coach, just all the little substitutes of making an NBA team great, and it'll get in your face if you f up. There's that one play where he wanted to inbound the ball when there's point two seconds left, and Nurse called the timeout and he got in Nurse's face. I mean, he's yeah, I totally forgot about Lowry. He's a good and one. Like Jay, Jay. Jay Wright always finds those, you know, kids. Like that's that's his his mo. Now, I was doing my situ- my situational spots for the month. I was kind of looking at the basketball schedule and kind of circling any situations. I'll tell you what, Lasalle came on there a couple times. I had to I had to do a little <laughs> deep dive into Lasalle basketball this year. So remember that they had that magical run. What was it back in like 2000 
South Philly Shake, wasn't 13? it? Thirteen. Yeah, South Philly Shake. <laughs> yeah, that was that was amazing for them. I feel bad for them because in the city they're always getting, you know, they're the least of the, you know, good schools. Yeah, I think they're losing their baseball program too. I know. I'm. I'm I know. Which is, I mean, I played college sports, and I mean that was like. Looking back at college when I wasn't drinking and chasing girls, that was my next favorite part. The the comedy with the guys, being on a team and traveling around it all. Um, now, this is coming out on um, Sunday, oh, excuse me, Saturday, recording on Tuesday. Have you looked at any games for tomorrow? No, haven't. Haven't, but I will uh, tomorrow. I'll be putting it on Instagram. Okay. All right. Uh, and like you said, I just got an alert on my phone. I got Northern Kentucky at plus a point and a half. They're already down to a pick em. So, I mean, those lines can move quick. Those lines can do. move quick. So, like Joe was saying, you got to make sure you get the line right away. Now, what do you do? Let's say I'm one of your members. You send me a play, take... I'll use Bradley. Take Bradley at plus five. My books have it at plus four. Do I buy a point or do I just play the four? I just have them just ride it out. Yeah. And because it's that's that's the one thing that's like so hard. Like it's easy for for me because I'm you know doing it. I'm constantly looking at line movements, when to lock it in, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about beating the the uh, line. Like, it, if you've got it, like, what you legit just said, that game's now even. And it, it may, you know, switch. Mm-hmm. And you're on the the right side. So, that, I mean, sometimes... I've put games out and then the line moves like within a minute mm-hmm. and then you're like, Oh man, because that, because I feel bad because the closing line is pretty much the most like important thing you need. Yeah. You want to be able to beat the line. I never, I never ever. And I got, I actually got called out because I called out like kind of somebody with a big following about giving bad advice about buying lines. I never buy lines. I think, you know, either you don't play it or you just play it at what it is. And I'll use the stock market as an example. My buddy sent me a text today. He was like, hey, banks are back. Buy Wells Fargo. He's, I think he sent me some price to it. And by the time I got around to the text, he was, it was up, I think it was, I think he said to buy it at 20, at, at 27.62. And by the time I saw the, the message, it was 27.81. I was like, should I still buy it? And just replied no. He's like, yeah, yeah. no. So he just replied no. So, I mean, you guys have to think of it as a stock market. Joe and I, we when we give you guys lines, we're trying to give you guys the best, the line that we have. And that's the line you should fire on. And that's why it's important to have multiple books. I mean, I have six books. How many books do you roll out with? Uh, Seven. Yes, you have more than me. And, I mean, you just 
got to be shopping for that best line because you got to think of it like this. If I'm I'm selling a car for $20,000, Joe's selling the same car for $19,000. You're obviously going to buy it from Joe because he has the better price. And that's the same thing with books, guys. You got to look for the best price and shop at the best price. So we have some Thanksgiving Day games coming up. I mean, are you going to be watching these games or are you going to be drunk on turkey and stuffing by <laughs> by the end of the first be, first quarter I'll of the be, Lions uh, game? I'll be watching. I'll be cooking. And I'm excited for the, the Sunday night game. Oh, my God. I I, I mean, a third, the third, like... Thursday night game. The, yeah, the, the, the Steelers-Baltimore game. And I think that that is going to be awesome. I'm excited for a couple reasons. Number one, one of my biggest over-under bets was the under in the Ravens. And if they lose, I'm going to hit that. <laughs> and one of my biggest futures was the Steelers to win the North. I like to think I basically have that locked up. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But... I mean, if they lose that, I mean, it's locked up. So I, I could cash two big futures. That's awesome. I am surprised. I didn't think the, the Steelers would be this good. I mean, I, I'm i worried about their offensive line. They To me, they have some offensive line issues. They aren't running the ball as good as they can. But you, you put a Hall of Fame quarterback back there, and Deontay Johnson is – Basically, and I hate to say it if you guys love it, Antonio Brown, he's basically a younger Antonio Brown with no issues. You know what I mean? And Claypool's a big guy that's going to make plays, and that defense is going to keep them in, in games. So, I mean, they're, I mean, right now, I mean, who could you see beating them in the AFC? The Chiefs? Yeah, the Chiefs. I, only only the, the Chiefs, probably. I'm, I mean, but the Chiefs, the Chiefs secondary is susceptible to the deep ball, and they have some O-line injuries. Yeah. So, I don't know. I did I did two Super Bowl futures. I know you're not a big future guy, but old Uncle Eric is. And my two are the Colts and the, uh, I, I got the Colts, I think, at 28 to 1, and uh-huh. the Steelers at 35 to 1, and my traditional Lions bet at 100 to 1. <laughs> the Lions bet. I mean, so. What do you think they do with uh, Matt? You I think, think they uh, fire him. Oh, I think they need to blow it up. I mean, if if I'm in charge of the Lions, what I do is I call the guy from ESPN. What's his name? Riddick. Riddick I call, is so smart. Oh yeah. my god! I call Riddick and I say, "Look, what's the number you need to come work for me and run this organization? I'm going to give you the keys." My only request is, is you hire an offensive coach because the defensive coach hasn't worked here. And my number one candidate is I want you to I want you to interview Joe Brady. If you and Joe Brady hit it off, that's who I want you to hire. And that's what I would do. I would hire Riddick, say he has to interview Joe Brady. If him and Joe Brady hit it off, then that's what they go. Then those two just run it. I feel bad because Stafford was, you know, he's he's a good good quarterback, and his whole uh, career has been wasted. Oh, it's been insane, insanely wasted. It is criminal. And 
what happened to Stafford is what's going to happen with the Texans with Deshaun Watson. Like, oh, Deshaun. that I, I, I feel bad for him. Letting Hopkins go was a huge mistake. And they have no draft picks. Like, I was talking about this with somebody else. The, the window to be a successful coach in the NFL is so small. You have three years at most. Are you really going to want to go to a team that has doesn't have a first round or a second round draft pick? It makes. Why would you want to do that? And yeah, zero sense. Zero sense at all. So that team's up shit's creek. But no, back to the Lions. That's what I would do. And they've totally just. I mean, Galladay's contract is up. I just feel that I feel if they trade Stafford to a competent organization, it's going to be like when the Chargers traded traded or traded or let Breeze walk to the Saints, and <laughs> yep. he's just going to make some franchise just insanely relevant. Like if he imagine Stafford, if he was on the Denver Broncos. I know. Well, that I would think uh, um, New England would probably gobble gobble him up quick. Oh yeah. Like, or New England, like any team like that, like any competently ran team would love to have Matt Stafford. When I break down to quarterbacks, I put them in three categories. Tier one is you elevate the people around you. Tier two is you can win if you have help. Team tier three is you're replaceable. I have Matt Stafford in tier one. I think you can elevate talent. This team is, was awful last year when he wasn't there. And the only reason why they're somewhat in the playoff hunt this year is because of him. True. Yeah, that's very true. So, don't worry. I have, I have your boy, uh, boy Wentz, in uh, can elevate talent. No, no, I have him in tier two. Can win with the right pieces. Yeah. Barely, well, hang, I, barely hanging am, on in that I tier am, two. I am on the, the fence because I, you know, when a quarterback's been in, in the league for for five years, you would think they would. You know, be able to read the you know defense, but it looks like he's at like square one. And I, you haven't heard my quarterback spiel. My quarterback spiel is this: is if you don't make the jump in in season two, it's not happening. You're never making the jump. True. And if you still can't read. You know, the safeties and everything. The the occasional, like, I misread a coverage. That happens to the best of them. But to keep making the same mistakes. And it's weird with Wentz. He's making new mistakes. Like, I don't know, like, how he got to this point. It It's really, like, something we haven't seen before. I know. I think it's maybe, I don't know. I heard this stat that he he's on pace for being the fourth most sacked quarterback in the history of the NFL. Uh, maybe the hits are just adding up and that's that's a that's just, a fear of mine with Joe Burrow. I love what I've seen from Joe Burrow this year. No, the Burrow's been doing great. But, I feel bad for these young uh, you know quarterbacks that tearing their their knee up. Oh my god, that's awful. I mean, I had a bad ankle injury way 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 back in the day and I lost I lost the fo- the fo- the footsteps, the quick step, the explosiveness with my right. It was gone. I know, just it, gone. It, it, that could be factored in with you know Wentz too. After that, he just hasn't looked 
the same. Yeah, it's after just... After that Rams game. Yeah. But the Eagles make, make me nuts. And then watch. They'll go to Monday night and beat a Seattle. I mean... Just because if... they freaking drive me crazy. With that Seattle defense, if Wentz cannot throw for 350 and three three tutties, Jalen Hurts should start the rest of the year. I, you know what it is though. As soon as as soon as you put Hurts in, you're now saying that like Wentz Wentz is like done. You're like finished with him. Oh, exactly, and that's why they won't do it. But it was yeah. interesting, like. I don't know if you've heard any of my anti-Tua rants. I think Tua is the most overrated player ever, but that's oh, same. That's yeah. that's me. But basically, what Flores did by benching Tua is he basically said, eh, it's not really working. Because I don't know if you remember, Lamar Jackson took over for Joe Flacco. Um, I don't know. When was that? Two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah. And they were playing the Chargers at home during that playoff game. And... Lamar could not get anything going. And oh, he was absolute trash. And But they didn't replace him with Flacco just because they didn't want to lose the quarterback's confidence. And they that was basically telling Lamar, hey, we're not going with you next year. Now yeah, you're that, that reminded me of, of Kobe's. Uh, wasn't one of his post-season games where he, he was just shooting air ball after air ball and just missing everything and Phil just kept on letting him shoot. Yeah, they were playing the Jazz. It was one of his first years and they had Nick Van Exel and Van Exel was having a huge game. They gave Kobe the ball at the end of the game and he missed the shot. But at least you're like giving your young guy who you obviously know is going to be the face of the franchise an opportunity. Yep. And I... I don't know if you saw the Flores and I for spacing who the general manager is for the Dolphins. They did a um, their post-draft interview, and it was really awkward when they mentioned Tua to them and they asked about Tua. It was almost like they were giving off the vibe that it wasn't their call to draft Tua. It was really weird. Really, really weird. So, But, Joe, thanks for taking time out of your busy week coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? You can find me Instagram, the underscore lock god. Uh, I put it, everything in the, out there, wins, losses. Uh, hit me up, and I'll, I'll talk to you later, eh? All right, so make sure you follow Joe on the Instagram, and you have a, tw- you have a Twitter too, right? Yeah. The... Good luck, God. Okay. Make sure you guys follow him on both. Great follow. You guys have any questions, want to know details about his package, hit him up. One of the most honest guys and transparent guys on social media when it comes to betting. Thanks for coming on, Joe, and we look forward to having you on in the future. Thanks, bud. I'll talk to you later. So, guys, if you're not following Joe, make sure you hop on. Loaded day of sports, guys. We're already diving into the college football slate. We got horse racing going on, mandatory payout. In the Rainbow Six at Gulfstream Park West, I posted my ticket for free, $9.60 ticket, chance to win a lotto ticket. Guys, you know, up 20 units on the week. Great start in college basketball. You know, good start for the season in college football. NFL, we're trucking along. Interested in the packages, DM me. Always got room for people that want to join the winning team, want to start cashing some tickets. 
Be back Monday with my Reaction Monday episode. Until then, be safe, be well. Let's cash some tickets. And I'll talk to you guys later.